Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. You take the stairs and your legs start burning. I don't want to feel like that. I'm done. But if you remember, if people have gone through this and really dig deep and say, okay, I'm doing this for, for example, my kids, they will always be worth it. And so, okay, my legs are going to burn and my belly's going to hurt for a while, but I'm going to keep going because it's going to get me to the other side and I know there are benefits there. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 154. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, hello, veggie lovers. I have another plantastic episode for you today. Today, we will be talking to Dr. Jamisha Patel and Dr. Sagar Doshi about their clinic in Columbus, Ohio called Columbus Prevent and Reverse. It's so cool. I loved getting to know them. But before I talk more about these lovely physicians. Let me remind you that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a doctor. So today I will be talking to two physicians who are co-founders of a plant-based clinic in Columbus, Ohio called Columbus Prevent and Reverse Health. So they co-founded this clinic along with two other members, other physicians as well. So Dr. Jamisha Patel is a pediatrician who does outpatient pediatrics, but also helps with the group sessions at the CPR Health Clinic. She's also the mom of two kids aged four and five, and she is married to Dr. 
Dr. Sagar Patel, who is an emergency medicine physician. He is also board certified in lifestyle medicine. And in this interview, we're going to talk about how they discovered plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, why they started this clinic. Dr. Patel said that the mission of the CPR clinic is to help people take control of their health. They do this by counseling patients on nutrition and educating them on how a whole food plant-based diet can help reverse and prevent disease. They also help with improving physical activity, sleep, and stress management. They are big on mindfulness and they even have a 16-week mindfulness course. And their goal is to build a community and provide a platform to create connections for their patients. They do this with activities that bring their patients together, such as group sessions and workshops. The other two founding members of the CPR Health Clinic are Dr. Zach Hermosis. I do not know how to pronounce the last name. I should have asked them. And his wife, Nina. And Zach is an emergency medicine physician as well. And Nina is an internal medicine physician. So it is called CPR Health Clinic. You can find it at CPRHealthClinic.com. They do see patients in the whole state of Ohio. They do telemedicine as well. So if you are from Ohio and you are looking for some plant-based doctors that can help you with your lifestyle with your health, then check out CPRHealthClinic.com. In this interview, we talk about how they discovered plant-based nutrition, talk more about the clinic, why they started it, what conditions they treat, what they wish more doctors knew about lifestyle medicine, what concepts that they would integrate into their practice, and what they wish more people knew, and of course, what personal habit they're each most proud of. It's lovely to hear about how they're raising their kids and the different practices that they've implemented into their lives, and they just seem like super happy, joyful, calm people. So please help me welcome Dr. Jamisha Patel and Dr. Sagar Doshi. Well, hello, Sagar and Jamisha. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Well, this is so cool. We've had a little moment to chat and get to know each other, talking about how difficult sleep deprivation is with kids. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes, the life of a parent. Well, let's start from the top because I want to hear your story and how you got to where you were, where you are right now and the clinic that you're running. So tell me, how did you discover plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine? Why are you passionate about it? Let's get into it. So I first I got kind of lucky and I first encountered uh, lifestyle medicine without knowing that it was that because in med school, we invited Dr. Esselstyn down. We went to, I went to the med school near Cleveland. Nice. So Dr. Esselstyn was right there. He came by. Mm-hmm. He talked about how heart disease can be reversed. And I saw it and I said, no, it can't. <laughs> and, then, and then later on in med school, I somehow went to a free dinner and saw Dr. Greger speak. Nice. Because he was in town. And he was talking about cancer nutrition. And I thought to myself, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I love and it. Then, yeah. So far, so my, good, right? <laughs> yeah. Zero for two. And then my dad had some heart disease and he discovered Dr. Ornish. He was talking about it. His cousin's a cardiologist and his cousin was saying things like that. It's not real. So in my head, oh, okay, it's not real. Um, That's just something out there. So repeatedly getting exposed to it and going, no, 
That can't be. There would be, I would know about this by now. It has not come up. And then my dad got really sick. And he suffered from some complication of diabetes. Um, He passed away from that. And then I started to kind of see more relationships between lifestyle and health outcomes. And I got a patient in the emergency department, which is where I initially started working as a physician. And he came in, he's a nice guy, he was laughing. He's like, yeah, my chest hurts really bad. We got an EKG, looked at it, huge ST elevations, massive heart attack. And he said, I know it's a heart attack. This is my 13th one. (gasps) And he handed me over a binder. And in the binder are all the pictures of his stents, where they are, the medicines he's on, the doctors he's seen. He's like, yeah, he's a good, he's a good patient, quote unquote. So we called the cardiologist. He whisked away. And I was just thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. I just cracked at that moment and just said, something else has to be going on. There's got to be more. Delved in. Um, somehow stumbled upon the E. Cornell T. Colin Campbell plant-based nutrition course and started doing that with Jimmy Shaw. Yeah. And that's how he, um, he kind of introduced it to me. So we did this, um, the Cornell plant-based nutrition course together, and we just learned so much in that course. And it's funny because we're both physicians and we, they don't teach you this in medical school. They don't teach you about nutrition or um, how nutrition affects, you know, diseases and the cause of diseases and um, reversal of diseases and all that stuff. And there's just so much research behind it. And so it kind of just gave us so much information that Sagar and I both changed our lifestyle, the way we were eating. And at that time I had just given, um, I had just had our second baby. And so our kids are like 16 months apart. So they're pretty close and just having my second baby. And, you know, I was just starting, um, I had just finished residency. I was starting, um, you know, as an attending and, you know, things were stressful. Um, I had gained a lot of weight. I was like really feeling it, you know? And so after, after changing our lifestyle based off this, uh, taking this course, I, just felt so much better. I had more energy. I like, you know, I, I real, I was like six months into it, I think. And I just felt like how I felt when I like 10 years before I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like the youngest I've ever felt. Like I, you know, I, I, and, and like, Yami and I, we talked about like how it's how you're pretty much sleep deprived during, you know, the first like couple years of their lives. And even like being sleep deprived, I still felt like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just felt better. I, I just remember feeling better. And, um, and I was able to bounce back from like my pre baby weight. And I remember that being an issue after my first baby, after having our first child, I was having a hard time going back to, um, you know, my pre-baby weight, but after starting this lifestyle, like eating plant-based, whole food plant-based, it just all kind of just worked out. I don't know. It just felt, it felt right. It clicked, it fell into place. Yeah. 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 Well, I just want to go back to Sagar and how the universe kept tapping you on the shoulder. You're like, whatever. Get away. So, so, okay. But what an amazing opportunity that you got to see Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Greger, you know, earlier in your training 
Was there anything from those first encounters that you did accept? Or do you feel like the cognitive dissonance was so big inside of you that you just rejected the whole thing? Well, Dr. Esselstyn came with pictures. So I said to myself, okay, it worked in those people under these circumstances that one time. So I said, Mm. okay, that might be real. And Dr. Greger was speaking more about uh, pathophysiology. uh, And so it didn't connect as Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. But something must have stuck, you know, because then eventually you were able to, what prompted you to look for the course? Did you specifically at that point say, I want to look more into plant-based nutrition? And was that because of what happened to your father? Or how did you specifically find the course? So I don't have a great memory on how I specifically stumbled upon the course, but I was definitely looking for something more mm-hmm. in terms of how to affect health mm-hmm. after what happened to my dad, after Mr. 13th heart attack, after all of that, and remembering, okay, there are these people that I have encountered repeatedly that have been talking about this stuff. And then at some point I watched Forks Over Knives as well. Yeah. And hey, right there on the TV. Okay, <laughs> let me look this guy up. And of course, okay, T. Colin Campbell, you have a whole internet course. It's right there. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. I mean, it's so interesting because as physicians, especially as young physicians, I think we go into medical school so bright-eyed and idealistic, and we just love our professors and our teachers, and we respect them and honor them so much that we do kind of believe that they should know everything. And if they aren't telling us something, it's because it's not important, right? So it's like this, Mm -hmm. our consciousness gets very narrowed to specifically what we're being taught based upon the tradition of medicine. So I think it does make sense why a lot of doctors are like, well, I was never taught that, so it must not be that important. You know, even though there's like all of this research that's been mm-hmm. done, but it's just like excluded. <laughs> you know, like we're just not yeah, going to talk about decades, that. Decades, nearly you know? 100 years. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's insane. The definition of blinders. <laughs> How about the, the experience with your father? Do you look back on that and wish that you would have known what you know now earlier? How do you feel about that? God, yes. I, I had a long period of regret, of guilt, of the recurring thoughts of I should have known more, I should have done more, I should have been more. And that's part of, definitely part of what motivates me to try and help as many people as possible. My father is gone. It's too late for him. Uh, My mom has to be a widow. My family is not the same at all. He was a really big figure. He laughed out loud. He sang. He danced. He gave the best hugs. He's just a really great guy. And without him, there's an obvious absence. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody else to have to encounter that. Obviously, everyone will encounter suffering. Everyone will encounter loss. It's inevitable. That's what life is. But if there's a way for people not to have to incur that, not to have to go through needless suffering, I want to be able to help them with that. And there is a way. That's the, that's the wonderful part about it. There is a way. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like it's our most painful experiences 
that drive our passions, you know, because like you're saying his memory lives in you, his spirit lives in you and allows you to have empathy for families that are struggling with this, but just gives you that drive to like, oh, I want to help other people so that they don't have to go through what I did with my father. And that's just so beautiful and so noble that, that you're doing that. So tell me, Jamisha, whenever Sagar told you about this course and what he was thinking, had you guys already had conversations about it or was it new to you at that point? Did you at first have some doubts or some cognitive dissonance about like, I don't know about this. I sure did. (laughs) I, um, I, I did watch Forks Over Knives with him. So I kind of knew where he was getting all, you know, this interest and where it was kind of, um, stemming from. And, um, and, but I, once again, I was like, you know, that we were not taught this, like, this is some new stuff, there's probably not enough information about it. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's not, uh, it, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to really, really get much out of it. Um, and to be honest with you, he came to me and he said, Jamisha, this is 40 CME credits. Like you, you should do it. You need this. And I was like, actually I do. So yeah, just sign me up and let's, let's just do it. Cause I need those 40 CME credits. And, but man, did that, those 40 CME credits, they changed, they changed a lot for us. Um, like to, to how we eat, to how we even raise our kids, um, what our kids eat. Um, yeah, it's, it's changed our lives in a lot in a good way too. And not only is it the way we eat, but just like, you know, sleeping, we like put more importance on sleeping and, um, connection and being mindful and present and just stress, you know, managing stress and, you know, teaching all that to our kids is so important too. So. Mm Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you changed, you saw definitely improvements in your well-being and your energy. You said you felt like you were 10 years younger. How long did it take before you felt comfortable applying it in your practice, Jamisha? You're a pediatrician. So you're like Mm -hmm. me, we see kids, but mostly we're working with the parents of the kids and families. So how long was it before you started feeling comfortable discussing it with them? So it's funny. So I first started when I graduated residency, I started working at the urgent cares Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and then that's when we started changing our, into, you know, whole food plant-based, um, lifestyle. And I actually decided to leave urgent care and go into primary care because I wanted to start implementing this, um, Mm -hmm. with patients. And that was, so I think maybe about two years of us doing it on our own and then, you know, and then, you know, starting CPR and, and, um, starting the CPR health clinic, I realized I was like, you know what, I, I want to be able to do this with families. I want to be able to implement this, um, with kids because I I do it with my kids and I see such great outcomes and I just wanted to um, advocate this and kind of introduce it to people in our community um, and that's I, I ended up just leaving urgent care and starting um, primary care. Nice, yeah, I love that because 
you saw also in your heart how you could make an impact with what you knew. And it's true. I, I think also I work in primary care as a pediatrician, and I think it's one of the best entry points for talking about this lifestyle because you're starting fresh, you're starting at the beginning, you're your job really as a pediatrician, one of our main jobs is to prevent disease. You know, what an amazing task we have that we can keep these beautiful little beings healthy and happy and they can have their joy and their energy. So it's a great opportunity for that. Now back to you, Sagar. So I'm going back to this, this patient you had with the 13 heart attacks. Um, you know, I feel like as we get in our training, especially in the emergency department, you know, or general surgeons, ICU, we just see so many sick people. And I can imagine you get to a point where you're just burning out. You're just seeing sickness. You're seeing the same things, the frequent flyers coming in with the heart attacks or the COPD exacerbations, strokes and strokes and strokes. So how long do you think it took in your training before you started feeling that, you know, that desperation of like, what am I doing? Am I making a difference? Do you think it was around that same time as when you saw the patient with the 13 heart attacks? Yeah, it was definitely around that time. That was him and my father passing all happened close together. And that's when futility, the thoughts of futility yes. were entering my mind. How many times does this one person in front of me have to have a CHF exacerbation or mm -hmm. a flare-up of their heart not pumping enough blood through their body? How many times do we have to tweak their medicines or admit them to the hospital? How long do they have to be in the nursing home for before they get home, before they come back in to go back to the nursing home? Mm -hmm. Just over and over again, the same people over and over again. I actually was commented to one of my partners once, uh, I was trying to get him to, we, we work some places sometimes where there's a lot of overdoses, mm -hmm. and that in itself can be numbing. And he had commented that, ah, these people, they just do it to themselves. And it struck me, I was like, and when we work at the other hospital, where there's a much older population with the heart attacks and the heart failure and the COPD, they kind of do it to themselves too. Not as a way to shame anybody, but to, to let him reflect on the fact that we're all doing this to ourselves. Yes. There's a big parallel here. Yeah. Took him by surprise, but I think he got it. And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover. If you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family. DrYami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. Yeah, that's it. It can be really tough. And I feel like that's why there's so many doctors leaving medicine is because they do get to that point where they're like, it's, it's futile. It's like, what am I even doing? I came to help people. I don't feel like I'm helping people. You know, I'm just putting band-aids, prescribing or resuscitating, which is thank God you ER doctors exist because 
I can't deal with that kind of stress. Okay. So thank you <laughs> for your work and for saving people day out, day in and day out. So let's transition then into the CPR clinic. Cause I can imagine, I'm just going to be putting words in your mouth here that <laughs> that is, right a, it was a great place to have that feeling that you are making a difference in people's lives and reversing some of this. You're working upstream rather than downstream. So tell me, where did the vision come from? Who started this? I know there's four of you that do this together. What is the CPR clinic? How did it come about? What is your vision for the future of this practice? So Columbus Prevent and Reverse. We live in Columbus, Ohio. Prevent and Reverse. CPR kind of works well with the emergency theme. Yeah, I love it. So CPR Health Clinic came to be, but it came to be uh, after all this had been happening, Jamisha started pushing me saying, hey, you should really do something with this. And I'd been discovering what lifestyle medicine is and decided, yeah, I'm going to go get boarded in that because that makes sense. I really want to know what I'm talking about when I talk with people. And as I was going through that process, Zach, who worked with me at that time, I didn't really know that well, but we were just getting it handed to us in the emergency department, patient after patient after patient. It's the second busiest emergency department in the state. And so he just turned over and he said, Meaning and I are going to start a plant-based clinic. Just enough of this. And then he went back to work. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. It's the best random comment ever. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? And I, it was too busy to talk then. So I called him up a couple of days later. saying, first of all, what are you talking about? And are you serious? And he said, yeah. So we got together for dinner a couple of days later, talked it out. Turns out the four of us actually had common goals that we weren't alone in what we wanted to pursue. So we talked until the pizza shop closed down and then we stood in the parking lot and talked for a few hours more. Wow. And that's where it was borne out. But our goal is to never abandon someone in the process of change. As soon as somebody has realized, yeah, I want to make a change. I want to get healthier. I want to do it in this way. We want to be able to take them through the whole thing. Every pillar of lifestyle medicine, connection, nutrition, stress, sleep, movement, um, substance, disuse, as I would prefer to call it, if they need help with it, we want to help them with it. And that's through as many one-on-one sessions as we can do. We're like a concierge lifestyle medicine clinic. And we also do workshops with them. We've done cooking demos, grocery shopping. We run a mindfulness course that we're going to open up to non-patients as well because it's been so well received. But all of these different things need to come together, I think, to help someone really make a lasting change in their life. I love it. That's beautiful. How cool is that? I'm a little bit jealous that you guys were able to come together as a group and develop something like this. So how long has the clinic been open now? Well, we opened our office doors. In around February of 2020, just as COVID came swirling. In. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so Zach and I were works. putting together office furniture and we looked at each other and we're just like, I wonder how this is going to go. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, Jamisha, what did you think about the idea at first? I, um, you know, I actually encouraged him to do it. Um, When he told me, he came home and he told me that someone he worked with mentioned something about opening up a plant-based clinic. 
And I was what, the one who was like, well, you gotta call him. You you know, like talk, start that conversation, get it started, get this ball rolling. And honestly, um, once that ball started rolling, it just rolled. <laughs> it just like, it had its own momentum. But um, it's, it's, um, it's great, actually. At the end of the day, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's, I mean, we, we're a young family. We've got young kids. We're both, you know, physicians and it can, it can be a little stressful sometimes, but at, overall, at the end of the day, there's just so much that Sagar has gotten out of it. Um, not only out of like helping other patients, but he's learned so much from it. I've learned so much from it. Like I said, like, this the the and this is all stuff that our kids are going to be learning just by you know absorbing it by being in this environment too and that's going that's just like you know there's no price to that so um at the end of the day I am so glad that I did encourage him and yeah I think I think you know 10 or 20 years down the line I don't think this is going to be something that we will regret Aw, so lovely. She's a great coach. Aw, <laughs> very good supporter. <laughs> That's awesome. So do both of you see patients there or how, how do you both function in the clinic? So I see the patients um, between the two of us and she helps out with behind the scenes stuff and group mm-hmm. meetings and skills, workstations, workshops, I should yeah. say. Yeah, I try to I try to be our Instagram person. Oh, that too. <laughs> and yeah, and then group meetings, facilitate group meetings and cooking demos. Um, I love cooking um, plant based, so that's that's more fun for me. Um, but yeah, that's I, I try to help out kind of behind the scenes since most of our patients are adults. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I yeah. love it. So before Sagar, we started eating healthy. Sorry, no, what did yeah. you say? Before sorry. we started eating healthy, what? Um, I was doing a lot of the cooking. And then as soon as we, as soon as she learned all this information, she just said, no, this is too important. I'm taking over. (laughs) I love it. So she became the primary cook. That's great. That makes it nice. (laughs) So Sagar, what is your favorite condition to treat? And is there any cases that stand out in your mind as like being an outstanding case that really makes you proud of the the work that you're doing at the clinic? So it's, Thinking about that, there isn't one condition that I really enjoy treating as much as I enjoy the process of getting someone to realize why they want to commit to a change and just going through the questioning, the asking them for insights, the, they come over and they say, okay, I want to get healthy. All right. What's that mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to lose some weight. Okay. Why? Well, so I, cause my doctor told me to, okay, why? <laughs> What does that mean for you? How's that going to change your life on a day-to-day basis? Who are you doing this for? Hopefully it's yourself. Is there anyone else who's going to be impacted? And then getting them to the place where they go, well, this is, this is way more important than I thought it was. Uh, I think I really need to commit. And that's the fun part for me. The how, sure. That's the medicine. As, at some point in residency, I was taught, at some point, the medicine will get easy. It's managing everything else that'll mm-hmm. be the challenge. Mm-hmm. And I find the same parallel here. The how of how to help somebody can become easy, but it's getting them to that point where they're going to take over. Exactly. That seems too difficult. I mean, to draw an analogy, it's too many people 
crash their cars because they don't even know they're driving. Mm. Mm. And getting them to realize, hey, oh, I'm driving this bus. I'm driving this car. All right. I'm going to start making better moves now. That's the fun part. But that being said, there was at least one really amazing case. I was lucky enough to work with somebody very diligent, very committed to what he was trying to improve. He had prostate cancer and he did something exceptional, which is not supposed to happen. He was able to reduce the size of his tumor and drop his PSA. And that's something really you just see in the research by people like Ornish or Sachs in real life, quote unquote, it's supposed to just go up. PSA is supposed to just continue up. Your tumor is just supposed to get bigger and spread. That's what's supposed to happen. So he did an amazing job. Yeah, that's awesome. What a privilege to be able to witness that. And we'll just imagine if more people did adopt healthy lifestyle change and we would have a new norm. You know, we would think about it differently. We wouldn't think about it as like, well, your, your condition is just going to progress. This is a progressive condition, whether it's blood pressure, or diabetes, or whatever. That's how we think in medicine. This is just going to get worse. You're going to be on medicines for the rest of your life. We cannot reverse this. It's impossible. If more people understood and were empowered by physicians like yourself, we would have a different norm. The norm would be this is reversible. Most cases do get better, and the exception would be the ones that didn't, you know, that we may have to still manage with some medication or whatever other medical interventions. But I think that that could be our reality if more people understood, just like you said, that they are the, they're in the driver's seat. They're the ones that have the control. They felt that sense of empowerment to make changes. But I love how you've just gotten so comfortable wearing that coach hat. Because I think that's the difference with physicians is we're used to being the experts and just be like, all right, here's your prescription, go do it. But you're right in that behavior change, habit change is hard. It's really, really hard, especially when we live in an environment that doesn't support (laughs) the healthy lifestyle changes, whether it's drugs and alcohol, you're saying, you know, people coming in with overdoses, alcoholism, you know, our environment it teaches us to do those things, to overconsume all of these things, overconsume food, to not sleep, to stay up late watching YouTube videos, you know? And so because our environment is not very supportive, it really takes that effort. You have to set up your environment, your household, your friends, your family, everything around you to help you make this a lifelong habit. So it's really awesome that there's doctors like you out there that are doing that. I want to go back to Jamisha as a pediatrician in my tribe. Let's talk about <laughs> your own kids. So your, your mm-hmm. little ones were little when you first started on this journey. And I know that when I first transitioned, my next thought after that is like, can I raise my kids this way? So what went through your mind once you did the course, you learned about it, you were comfortable exploring it on your own? What were your thoughts about your children? So, um, I grew up vegetarian. Um, you know, we were, we're Indian, um, and, you know, and vegetarianism was just how my mom grew up. And so she raised us to be vegetarian. And so when my kids were little at that age, we were already vegetarian. And once I did this course, it wasn't, 
it, you know, they were, they were already not eating meat, um, but we still had dairy and eggs in our diet. And so it was just eliminating that, which, um, you know, it's so funny because they are, uh, five and four now. And, and, and like, we, we talked to them, we basically talked to them about what we were learning and how, what meat does to our body and how, um, it can, you know, how it turns, it can hurt us and, um, how it's, um, how dairy can, you know, hurt, hurt our bodies too. And it's not, um, as healthy for us as, you know, eating vegetables or our soy milk, or uh, we're just basically teaching them what we are learning and having conversations with them about that. And they actually now choose not to um, consume those things. And so um, it was funny because one day they, they're actually doing virtual learning right now, and they came home with or, or in their like little home packets, they had marshmallows and, um, and, um, my son was asking, he was like, mommy, is there meat in this? And, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's gelatin in this. And, and my daughter automatically was like, yeah, I'm not going to eat it because, because, you know, I don't, I don't want to eat that. Um, and, and we actually have marshmallows without gelatin in it. So she decided to eat that, but my son, he was like, I want to try it. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and try it. And he did, he tried it. And then he just tried one. And I think that was, that was it. And he was like, okay, let's. He, he had 10. Oh, he had 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must have missed that one. He really likes marshmallows. He does. He but... doesn't care where they come from. He wants them. <laughs> no, but he, he's, he said, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that again. I want to eat the vegan marshmallows. So um, it's been, it hasn't been, I mean, there are your days. There's days where, you know, just like all kids, they don't want to eat what I make or, you know, they're being a little picky or pickier than usual, um, just like all kids are. Mm-hmm. But, but being persistent and not giving in and, you know, showing them that this is, this is how, this is normal. This is how we eat. And then just educating them too. It's amazing. Like to be like, to, you know, I, I didn't think like young kids could really understand, but just educating them about health and like, okay, yeah, we eat, you know, vegetables because they, um, you know, they make us feel better and our bodies can heal if we get ouchies and, you know, just like, explaining to them um it it really it it makes them just that they can make better decisions on their own and they're pretty much deciding on their own so I love it yeah how do y'all handle eating out and birthday parties and those kinds of things well birthday parties due to COVID I haven't had to deal with that in a while so birthday party reprieve <laughs> right, exactly. So we'll we'll have to get back to you on that one. But eating out, um, it's actually Columbus is pretty nice in the sense that there's a lot of like plant based options, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and so we haven't really had that many issues. No, and we're very comfortable with the realizing our kids are healthy, growing, regular kids. So yes. they're gonna have some grease. They're gonna have some calories. 
they're occasionally going to eat junk food and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. They don't have any allergies to anything. They can have a little cake here and there, a little yeah. pizza here and there. Uh, but oddly enough, they kind of don't want They it don't as want, much. that's the thing. They're they really don't... drawn towards their fruits and veggies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, exposure and consistency is a, is a big deal. You know, that's how we develop habits. And if you expose your children to these health-promoting foods, that's what they're going to want most of the time. We just got back. We got to go on vacation. So it was really nice. (laughs) After like 15 months of not going anywhere, we just got back. And of course, on vacation, you're not in your usual mode and not eating your same foods. And as soon as we got back, I made a big old instant pot of beans and some brown rice. And I served that to my son that night. And he had a couple of bites. He's like, oh, mommy, you know what? I just really love eating your rice and beans and eating our home no. food, you know, because he can tell the difference right away. You know, when you're at restaurants, things are going to have lots of oil and salt and you do your mm-hmm. best, but it's just the way restaurant food is, you know, we just have to accept that restaurant food is going to have all that stuff. So exactly. But I, and that's what also- I love. The intuitive eating part, too, is whenever we're not telling our kids don't eat that because it's bad for you. It gives them opportunity to explore and try things so that they themselves come to the conclusion, this doesn't make me feel as good as this does, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And soccer is actually a big, um, he, you know, he strongly believes that no food should be a reward and no Mm -hmm. food should be a punishment, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so trying to teach, teach them that, you know, food is food and we don't have to associate it to any emotions, you know? And so, um, like dessert doesn't have to be a reward and vegetables and fruits don't have to be a punishment, you Mm -hmm. know, like you have to eat your vegetables in order to get to the dessert. It's just all food is equal. (laughs) And just focus as you were implying, focus on how it makes you feel. This food makes me feel, they like to feel strong and healthy and fast and feel like they're getting smart. Um, their brains are growing. Yeah. And they can feel that. Absolutely. How has your family, the rest of your family, reacted to your lifestyle change and your dietary choices? Well, my family, my mom has gone rather plant-based, so she's on board with it. I'll let you talk about your side of the family. Yeah, my family is... Um, so, you know, my, my mom, um, is vegetarian, but everyone else in my family eats meat. And so, um, they thought we were crazy, especially trying to, um, feed our kids that way. My mom thought I was abusing my kids. Like, I, <laughs> I was abusing, you know, <laughs> yes. And, um, but now it's kind of like, everyone's kind of seen how, um, like seeing how we've done it or how we do it and how well our kids are growing and everything. And so my mom and dad, my dad actually stopped eating meat and they are both, I think, slowly on their way towards a plant-based diet. My sister, I have two sisters, one sister, she is, um, she's plant-based now too. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they've come around. That's cool. Yes, I feel like it's even if you just do something and don't tell anybody about it, I feel like it creates a ripple effect and people start catching on. So I know at the beginning when I first transitioned and saw the light, as you might say, I felt like I just needed to 
shout it from the rooftops and from the mountaintops and tell everybody. And uh, as I've gone further along, I realize you don't sometimes even have to say anything. Sometimes people just figure it out or they ask you, you know, and that's how the ripple effects start. So that's really cool. Well, I'd love to know from both of you, what lifestyle medicine concept do you think or do you wish all doctors should know and utilize? So for me, I think it's a very basic concept, which is food is a package, which was a concept I encountered when working with the ACLM and getting my boards. But food is a package and it makes complete sense. Obviously, it's a package. There's more than one thing in it. Mm -hmm. But I think as physicians, oftentimes will do, they will think to themselves or say to their patients, even if they don't think it, they'll treat the words fish and omega-3s synonymously or chicken and protein synonymously without realizing what else is coming in that package. Mm right? Because there's still saturated fat, there's still cholesterol. If it's fish, then you're getting concentrated pollutants. Um, There's not all good things that are coming in this package. The best package is a plant package. And that's what I wish everybody knew. I love that. And for me, I think it's um, more mental health. Um, You know, I feel like mental health is uh, just integral, like, and it's just very important to our overall health and, um, and, and, and specifically like mindfulness and your intentions and your intentions behind why you want to lose that weight. Is it more that number or more the way you feel, you mm-hmm. know, the, um, even your intentions behind, um, you know, trying to connect with people or um, trying to connect with family or, you know, just how you're using your time. Um, Just having that intention and being mindful of that intention. um, And then, and then kind of focusing your energy on that um, can help with, with the way we connect, the way we handle stress, the way we do anything really and um yeah i think i think that's very important and now for a very important message hey mama if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet i wrote a book that might be for you A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating, and dieting behaviors, 
how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. Yeah, so beautiful. And I feel like lifestyle medicine and the concept of lifestyle medicine can be applied by all physicians, regardless of their specialty. I feel like there's a place for lifestyle medicine everywhere, every single specialty, from the little ones to the geriatric geriatricians, to the oncologists, to the surgeons, everybody. I just wish all physicians knew at least some of these concepts. Um, I love that food is a package. It reminds me, I think it was Milton Mills who has the quote about, you wouldn't smoke cigarettes to get oxygen. Why are you drinking milk to get your calcium? You know, when I told my kids that they're like, what? Oxygen from cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, because you know, if you're inhaling something, you're getting oxygen, but you're also getting lots of other things in it, just like milk. You there's calcium in there, but then there's these other factors that may actually harm rather than benefit us. So it's so important to think about that. And I love that concept that you brought up. Well, Jamisha, what That's do you wish more people book. knew? So I wish more people knew, and and Slacker kind of talked about this earlier, but you know what, why they want to be healthy, what it feels like to be healthy. Um, you know, I have patients who, I mean, obesity. I, I see so much obesity in my patient population, and um, and you know when I talk about you know, changing their diets, eating more fruits and vegetables and, you know, being more active and, um, and, and, you know, when they come back, it's just, they, the, what they talk about more is how they feel. They Mm -hmm. just feel so much better, you know, and these are just kids. They're kids who are, I mean, they, they have a lot of energy and, and, you know, and, and the, like for them just saying that they just feel healthier and feel happier, you know, is, is um, what I just, I just wish people knew that the lifestyle medicine can make you feel a certain way that's healthier and happier. Yes. And I feel like that's the best anchor, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you don't feel I mean, I guess some people might disagree with me, but you don't feel your weight. I mean, you are a weight and maybe for some people it might be uncomfortable if they're a certain weight, but you can feel your well-being, you know, and that's something that you can tune into each moment, each moment, it can lead you the right direction. Some of these other numbers are arbitrary, arbitrary, like your blood pressure and your hemoglobin, you don't feel that you might be able to measure it. But one thing that you can tune into every second of every day is your well-being. And so that's why I always try to redirect conversation towards that as well, you know, because I feel like that's our North Star and we can point people, see how you feel when you do this? Okay, if you want to keep feeling this, you keep doing that, (laughs) you know, and then tuning in to when they're feeling bad. Because I think sometimes when we are making choices, 
that make us not feel so good, we start ignoring, we start kind of disconnecting from our body and we don't even realize how bad we feel until we feel good again. And for pediatrics, I think that's so important because really that's what matters most to kids. They just want to play. They want to be with their friends. They want to explore the world. They want to feel good. And I love how you've realized that too for your patients. It's awesome. How about you, Sagar? What do you wish more people knew? I wish more people would know why they're doing the things they're doing. You know, like you're saying, a lab test, fixing that. What is that? That's not really something you connect to every day. What? A six-pack of abs? Okay, that looks nice. And by August, when you're off the beach, you're not going to care anymore. Even if you got to them. Uh, dress size down or waist size down, whatever, but really go into why are you doing this? What is making this important to you? And when we find that anchor, we can keep coming back to it because lifestyle medicine in the long run definitely will make a person feel good, have great well-being, but in the short run, there's going to be some discomfort. If you've been eating nothing but hamburgers, when you eat some beans, you're going to feel some discomfort and you might take that as a stopping point. Say, oh, I don't want to feel like that. I'm done. Or you take the stairs and your legs start burning. Say, I don't want to feel like that. I'm done. But if you remember, if people have gone through this and really dig deep and say, okay, I'm doing this for, for example, my kids, they will always be worth it. And so, okay, my legs are going to burn and my belly's going to hurt for a while, but I'm going to keep going because it's going to get me to the other side. And I know there are benefits there. Yes. I love that. That's such a good point because it's true. At the beginning of habit formation and behavior change, it's super uncomfortable because we've developed this groove. We're just going to keep doing things the same way. It's so easy to just keep doing things the same way. Any change from that is difficult, not just mentally, psychologically, but can also be physically. Just like you're saying, the gut, our guts, like a muscle, we have to train it to be able to process these new plant foods, our gut microbiome has to change and evolve. You know, our muscles have to grow if we start doing exercise. And so there will be this period of discomfort. So during that period, you have to remind yourself, I'm doing this for a reason. If you don't have a good reason, as soon as that discomfort starts, yeah, it's easy to just be like, I'm not doing this anymore. So yeah, I think it's really important that why, why am I doing this? Write it down, review it as often as you need to several times per day, because the good news is the discomfort doesn't last forever, right? It's just at the beginning, you have that period of change for some people, it might be shorter or longer, whatever, but it doesn't last forever. And then you get to that point that Jamisha is talking about where you just feel so good. And then you don't want to leave that place. So that's great. Now I want to know what personal habit each of you is most proud of and why. Let's start with Jamisha. So my personal habit that I'm most proud of is, um, you know, I I wake up early every morning or almost every morning, I should say. (laughs) But most mornings I wake up early and I have some time to myself where I can just meditate or I can work out and just be productive. And I feel like that's such a great habit that I have started, Um, you know, being a mom of two young kids and then working, you know, full time as a pediatrician, it's and, you know, being a wife and sometimes you just feel pulled and 
Um, and then just, just, you know, having that time in the morning and creating and making that as a habit. Like when I don't do it, I, I really feel like it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like off that day, but it's, it's like when I, I, I just need those couple hours in the morning where I can just have to myself and not to just sit around and like be on my phone, but I actually like need to work out or meditate something for like self-improvement. Mm-hmm. That's a habit that I'm proud of. Yeah. That self-care morning routine. That's so nice when you're a mom, especially when your kids are little, because you know that once they wake up, sit, you're serving That's it. other people's little people's <laughs> the rest of the time, which is great. It's an honor to do that. But to be able to collect yourself in the morning and center yourself and get yourself to that place where you can serve out of love rather than this feeling of obligation, being like tied to your kids. It's more like I'm doing this because I want to and I love to, not because I just have to. It's so important. Really nice that you do that. How about you, Sagar? So I'll start with the why, which for me, connecting to people is really important. And it's something I've discovered later in life. Through my job, through emergency medicine, I was in the Air Force for a while. I've seen people taken in very tragic ways. Some people um, expected it. It was a slow decline. Some people completely unexpected. And it has taken their families by surprise or not. It's just devastating. So it strikes me every day how important it is to connect to the people we love. And so the thing that I like to do is have some one-on-one time with each kid and Jimmy Show. And every day that I'm home, I do that. And that's what I'm most proud of. Oh, that's so sweet. So what kind of things, like just little simple things, or how do you plan it or arrange it? Oh, I don't plan it. I just set up some time. Mm-hmm. It's the same time every day. And then I just ask the kid that I'm with, okay, what do you want to do today? And then maybe we'll build blocks or the popular thing now is just jumping really far into my arms and having me throw them on the couch, <laughs> which is fun. And then with Jamisha, we just sit and drink some tea and talk. Oh, that's nice. That, I mean, that's such a great habit. And it's so important as your kids grow too, because my kids are older. So I will attest to being on that other side where I have a teen that's going to leave the house in two years. And I cry every time I say that. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you just don't realize when you get to that age, how quickly the younger years go. And, you know, whenever you're in that stage, it's like, whatever, this is really hard. But when they're older, you're like, oh my gosh, how did it go by so fast? And so as they get older, they get busy, they get in their sports, they, you know, they have their friends. And so having that one-on-one time, I think, become one-on-one time, I think, becomes even more important. So it's great that you've already developed a habit this early that you can maintain. That's beautiful. Well, Jamisha and Sagar, this has been so great to get to know you both and hear about your work in Columbus. I am so grateful that you exist and that you're doing this. I would love for you to tell us where we can connect with you, what services you offer, how people can get into your clinic if they're in the area, who can, you know, work with you. Let us know those details. Yeah, we see anybody in the state of Ohio. As we're all licensed in Ohio, we do telemedicine, especially with COVID around. And so we do lifestyle concierge medicine. And we'll start people off either in an annual plan where they sign up, and that's a commitment 
to say, yeah, I'm willing to work on myself for a year. I know it's going to take a while, but we're going to get great results together. Or they sign up for what we call a one-month consult. They just take it a month at a time, and we help them out as many times as they need in that month. We also offer a mindfulness course for the patients that's kind of separate, and we're going to put it out soon for non-patients as well. It's a 16-week course focusing on just very aspects of mindfulness. I feel like it's a skeleton key to behavior change. Mm-hmm. The space between stimulus and response and taking advantage of that. And where can they find us, Tamisha? They can find us at cprhealthclinic.com or on Facebook, just search CPR Health Clinic and um, Instagram, also CPR Health Clinic. Awesome. I love it. And Jamisha, I'm assuming you're in a private practice. Are you taking any patients? Uh, I'm actually working for a hospital. Okay. And so I, but I am taking patients at my hospital. So yes, through Licky Memorial. Perfect. Okay. So I'd love for you both to leave us with one call to action for the week. What is one thing we can do this week to improve our lives? I'd say find the people or animals that matter most to you, show them how much they matter, and then ask yourself what you're willing to improve to be around for them. Aww. So beautiful. And mine is just to be mindful, mindful of your intentions, your intentions of why you're eating the way you're eating, why you are exercising, why you're connecting with whoever you're connecting with. Um, and also gratitude, being grateful. I love it. Well, Jamisha and Sagar, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to be on Veggie Doctor Radio. I hope that we get to meet in real life someday. And I hope that you both have a very plantastic day. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having very us. Much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for what you do. Yes. And spreading the education that you do. Hey, veggie lover, I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.